Show number 31 of I Read Comics. was a much longer break than I intended it to be. Uh, real life just caught up with me, and I was traveling and working and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we're back now, and oh man, do I have so much stuff to put out there. So expect a number of podcasts coming up in the next few weeks. We have some interviews, first of which is going to be on this podcast. Um, after that, I have a great interview with Leah Hernandez, which was so long, I'm probably going to break it into two pieces because I don't want to cut it up. And, of course, the new Superman movie is opening next week, and there will be a review by the dynamic duo of uh, Lena and Logan as we did the X-Men 3 review in my car after the movie. And I have a whole bunch of new comics that I I need to review as well. So, oh, my God, there's just going to be so much stuff. So let's get to this interview. Um, I want to introduce my two guests, and then we'll have an interview, and then I'll wrap it up at the end with a few notes. Um, these are Kalinara and Ragnell, who are the women who run When Fangirls Attack, which I've talked about before on this podcast, and it continues to be a wonderful resource. The location is womenincomics.blogspot.com, and every day, and sometimes more than once a day, they collect links to articles about comics by women or that have a feminist point of view, and it is just an invaluable resource to figure out what's going on. Now, each of them have separate comic-related blogs that you should also read because they're really good. Ragnell's is called Written World, and it's ragnell.blogspot.com, and Kalinara's is called Pretty Fizzy Paradise, and it's at kalinara.blogspot.com. All those links will be in the show notes. Their individual blogs are wonderful um, for a real, true female geek-out point of view on comics. I just cannot get enough of them. And it's so funny that right at this moment, I have this interview with them. I'm going to have this interview with Leah and then with some other female bloggers as well about comics because everybody agrees. Suddenly, there's momentum. There's a wave. It feels like we're riding a wave right now of interest by women for comics in a very angry and unapologetic way. And I love it. I think it's great. And um, these two women have been a really big part of it. And when I talk to Leah, you'll hear that... um, she was in a large part responsible, I think, for igniting this back when she decided to, to quit mainstream comics. So there's been all this momentum building, and it's wonderful. I must also mention girlwonder.org. It's girl-wonder.org. Um, we talk about it a little bit in this interview, but they have been absolutely wonderful in um, sort of spearheading a lot of what's been going on in the blogging world about comics. So it's great. It feels so good. One more note before I jump into the interview. I'm going to be at San Diego Comic-Con. If you've checked my blog, you will note that there is going to be a panel about podcasting, and I will be on it. Still the only woman who's doing a podcast about comic books. 
So all the other usual suspects will be there. They actually gave us a good time. It's on Sunday morning, I believe at 11 o'clock, so you won't have to get out of bed too early. Um, I will be trying to organize something the day before to meet up with uh, people who want to get together, especially other women who blog about comics and and other folks who have listened to the show who just want to chat. Um, I'm figuring it's going to be kind of a girl-oriented thing, but guys could come too. And I will give you more information when that happens. But if you are going to come to Comic-Con, let me know. Drop me an email at lena at troubledscience.com. And um, we'll figure out how we're all going to meet up. And when I have more information on the panel, I'll post it. They just gave us this time slot. Um, I think they just found a moderator for it. Don't know where it's going to be. It will be in the actual con programming when they get around to putting that together. Uh, I know it's less than a month away now, and they still don't really have that together at the site, but uh, it's going to be fun. So, without further ado, here's an interview via Skype with Kalinara and Ragnell of When Fangirls Attack. Skype, we have managed to make the technology work to connect three people via a conference call to talk about this. Three people who have never talked to each other before um, in, in this setting. So I'm very, very happy to welcome the two women who are behind the wonderful, wonderful blog When Fangirls Attack, which I read every morning with my breakfast. Um, we have Ragnell and we have Kalinara. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Hey, no problem. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> So the first question that I wanted to ask you guys was to explain to me um, how you thought of doing When Fangirls Attack. Like, what inspired you? How did you decide how you were going to do it? And, you know, sort of how, what is your process for collecting all of those links that you put up on a, a daily basis? It was her idea. Um, <laughs> I saw within, like, maybe two weeks, and it was because it was right after the Buzzscope column, and it was right about the time when Leia Hernandez told everybody why she quit uh-huh. back in November. It was in uh, January, and I was just hearing about it, and I saw maybe seven posts about specifically women and how they're portrayed in comics and women in the industry and everything, and I went, you know, somebody should collect <laughs> I named it, though. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. great. It's wonderful. Tell me, um, tell me about what you feel like the purpose of this is. I was saying, is it? Do you feel like it's a clearinghouse? Is it a form of activism? You know, what what's the concept behind it? It's just communication. the The whole thing is just trying to get everybody, trying to get uh, all the opinions as spread as possible. Because a lot of times people have their opinion just because they've never really seen the other side. Mm-hmm. So, it, and, and a lot of time. Oh. People Sorry, go ahead. Opinions will um, come together and meet each other this way. <laughs> yeah, and you know, when you've got some big issue like this, you really do want to see as many sides of of the argument as possible to see what people are talking about. This way, we've got it all well, all we can find in one place, and it makes it much easier to keep up to date. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have like a set list of um, places that you scan every day or do you rely on like Google Alerts and things? How do you actually put it together? I have a Firefox and I just have a 
lines of blogs on my sidebar, and I open them all in tabs, and I just kind of go through. All right, they're talking about it. They're not talking about it. <laughs> I'm more of a search engine one myself. <laughs> uh, when I get desperate, I go for the search engine. Technorati is wonderful. I've got a few watch lists. Oh, yeah, and, you know, you put in the... The most useful search terminology, you get a lot of stuff you wouldn't get otherwise. Mm -hmm. Sometimes really weird crap. <laughs> and oh, wait, I shouldn't say that. We're supposed to be unbiased. <laughs> and do you both um, or either of you read the, the regular boards that most people seem to get their news from, like at Newsarama or the DC boards, too? I check Newsarama regularly, but not always. Normally, I'll find out something at Newsarama from Resplendent Beard first, because she... she she instantly links to it. Yeah. And I, I usually, oh, go ahead. Email me stuff. Um. I usually find out from her. <laughs> <laughs> so you have like agents working in the field, it's almost who who like gather stuff and bring it to your attention. <laughs> well, not exactly. Um, normally, it's a uh, uh, normal friends who will be uh, talking in the. They'll email out links going, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And every once in a while, it's topical. <laughs> They're lackeys, but they don't realize it. <laughs> right, right. That's kind of what I meant. Yeah, you know, it's like you were using them without actually telling them that they were in your evil employ or something. Oh, oh that's the best sure kind. They, I'm pretty sure they know when they send me a link, it's going up. <laughs> <laughs> and on top of when fangirls attack, each of you has um, a com comics-related blog that you update pretty regularly on a daily basis. And I, you know, I, I didn't check how long you've had it going, but how long have each of those blogs been going for? Uh, September. You can find little, if you go to the really early archives, you might find one post a week about um, just me whining about comic books or um, <laughs> problems at uh, school. I was going to school when I first set it up. Uh -huh. Mine started in December. So, And were you posting on a daily basis then, or did it sort of ramp up? Uh, I always posted on a daily basis. Otherwise, it'd end up like my li live journal, which gets updated maybe once every six months. <laughs> I need a routine. And, um, uh, Ragnall, what got you posting more than once a week in, in your blog? Was there, like, a moment, or was it just momentum? Well, I started getting more and more, but really she did. Because she posted every day, and I, I was talking to her, and I went, well, since you posted, I have to. <laughs> I feel lazy if I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but now you post three or four times a day, and I only post once or twice. Well, this might, that, that might um, calm down a bit when I, I, I hurt my ankle, so I don't do much but sit around right now. So, it, um, once I get more active, that might go down a bit. She does a lot more work on when fangirls attack, though. I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> So I, what really um, intrigues me about this whole thing is that prior to this, I had never been aware that there were so many women writing about comics. And maybe prior to the last year, there really weren't, or it was just so um, scattered and disparate that it, it didn't seem like there was a community. But now I really get the feeling like there's a community of women who are reading comics and commenting on comics and, and have very strong opinions and basically won't shut up about the things in comics <laughs> that are important to them. Like, Do you feel like that's just a recent thing, or have you felt like there's been a, a comics community of women even before, say, the middle of last year? There was the Friends of Lulu and mm -hmm. there's the feminist circles, and there were 
groups that generally contact, contacted each other and talked to each other, but I think it's gotten larger and more connected mm-hmm. since the Buzzscope thing, mainly. So. I honestly wouldn't know. I've just basically started reading comics in January of 2005, so I'm new to everything. Oh, okay, that's good. Oh, you know, I, I should clarify. When we say the Buzzscope thing, um, we're referring to um, Rene Garcia's columns. That, that's what you mean, right? I'm talking specifically yes. about Mid-Ohio Gate, Takisoma, yeah. that, that whole yeah. thing. Okay. Um, and if anybody doesn't know who's listening, what that is, um, where have you been on Mars? But <laughs> you, you need to go and, and read up on that because it, it's a big deal and it's not over yet. Uh, it's pretty unclear at this point, I think, um, what's going to happen. But it's not the first time and it's certainly not going to be the last time that something like this comes out in a really ugly way. When Fangirl's Attack has some of the start of the whole issue, so if you really want to get caught up, gosh, I'm awful shamelessly plugging the blog on such a serious topic. Oh, but. please. Um, it, it's, it, but it's, I think it's a good point. It's like you said, one of the things that When Fangirl's Attack is really good for is providing a, a fair diversity of opinion. Um, and I, I, when this was all happening in real time, I thought you had done a good job of linking to a lot of places where a lot of people were saying different things about it. It wasn't all just one voice. Part of it is everybody thinks differently, so we try and get everything together. And I, I usually figure the best opinion is going to be a middle road sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I especially like to get the extreme versions together so that people read them both and start going, well, this person has this point, but this person has this point. Maybe come up with something on their own. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's funny that you said that because I'm just thinking, who would you say of the people that you read who blog, who who do you think are the extremes? Who would you classify? Eric Larson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, that that is the, he, he's right now, the last three columns, he's spouted the worst of the worst right now. <laughs> um, and there's a, there's another guy who, um, he brings up things, I think he's really a censorship person who's just, um, tagging onto the women's rights because he doesn't like seeing rape in comics, and he's he's one extremist I see it an awful lot. <laughs> mm. Aside from that, no, everybody's got a nice. Nobody's really consistently overboard on anything. I don't think. No, there are every so often an opinions expressed where I might personally think is a little extreme, but in general, I think everyone's got a point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, everyone certainly has an opinion, and everybody is entitled to their opinion. Um, I think, I, I, you know, of course we knew we were going to talk about Larson a little bit just because it's so happening right now, right? That last column of his was like a couple days ago. Um, <laughs> but the thing that bugs me most of all about him is, um, in addition to the really horrible sexist things that he's saying, his total and complete attitude is that he is the authority, and whatever he says must be the word of God. And that's the way it is. And, you know, just pretty much shut up and, and put up with it. <laughs> I have to say his first, the first uh, of his columns that really got a buzz, the one about Power Girl and Phantom Lady, mm-hmm. and Lu- Lulu was brought up too. I hadn't actually thought that was that bad. I mean, I thought he was mistaken in certain areas. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Ragnall posted her... Uh, counters to it other people posted theirs it seemed fine but then the next one he just seemed to really suddenly attack 
those who have opposite opinions. And then it just seems to keep getting worse. And honestly, apparently we're all taking him out of context or something like that, but he'd be so much better off if he just stepped back from the computer for a while and let this cool down, restated his own opinion, and maybe people would understand what he's saying a bit more, or maybe maybe he'd still be full of crap. <laughs> Who knows? He set me off because Power Girl's one of my favorites. I, I'm not ashamed to say that. He really, he just, it's like, I've heard it too often about Power Girl that all she is is a pair of breasts. I'm sick of that. <laughs> so I, I lost my temper at him. <laughs> well, you did. The second one, though. <laughs> you did an excellent job of showing the, the Power Girl through the ages, um, just to make a point about, you know, her breasts not getting bigger and bigger, at least initially. Uh, and that, well, it's, that was great. It's like hearing um, that Marston had a bondage kink. Mm -hmm. People say it all the time to say that Wonder Woman shouldn't really be treated as a feminist icon. She should be treated as, um, as, uh, as porn, basically, simply because her creator had a bondage kink. And I'm like, well, that's just, that's stupid. <laughs> and a lot of people go, well, Power Girl, her breasts are a joke. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, let's see how Wally West actually drew her. It's fine to me. <laughs> It's a shame to see uh, relatively strong female characters suddenly dismissed because of something small like that. Even if it, even if the joke were true, and even yeah. if Marston did exercise his bondage kink specifically because it's what he's he into. Turned him on, or strong women turned him on. So what? <laughs> yeah, what matters is the result, and the result is a relatively positive portrayal. Mm -hmm. Um, Frank Miller's new cover notwithstanding, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, well. Well, relatively. <laughs> Talking about um, strong female characters, who, who do you guys think are actual good strong female characters in comics today? I know there's a, a fairly wide selection, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on some of your favorites. Luminana Earp. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I've, read that yet. I'm still looking I'm for sorry. a copy. I've got a... I always avoided it because uh, the cover looked kind of cheesecakey. It was an, originally an image comic. So you know how they did. But um, <laughs> I kind of like westerns a little bit. Mm -hmm. I especially like westerns with women in them. <laughs> and this is this is a female western hero who is treat. She's treated with as much respect as a male is. She's not treated as a male. He's he's aware that he's writing a woman, and all the other characters are aware that she's a woman. But she is treated with as much respect as a female would be. Uh, male would be. I'm sorry. <laughs> See why I edit myself so often when I post? <laughs> okay, that's one. Let's list another one. Kate Spencer in Manhunter is one of our... I think both of us oh, like she her is a lot. Awesome. <laughs> I, I, We've I, talked I like, about her a lot. <laughs> yeah, I like, um, I like seeing mothers in comics. Mm -hmm. We don't see them. They're, they're normally villains. We don't see him as good, uh, good guys often enough, and I was so happy to see Kate Spencer, even though she's not, like, she's a imperfect mother, and she actually tends to be a pretty, fairly irresponsible mother, but she's still, it's a mother, she's a good guy. Mm -hmm. And she actually does care about the kids. Great. Yeah, she's trying. She makes mistakes. But I, I think she's a very sympathetic character, particularly considering, well, with the Manhunter thing, the killing criminals thing, it, it can be hard to make a character sympathetic with that but I think they do a really good job of showing her as a three-dimensional character beyond just her gender mm -hmm. and she's um basically the problem she's making as a mother and the problem she's making 
I was saying, when's all the male heroes in the Golden Age made? She's a workaholic. <laughs> she's going a little too far. <laughs> no, it's... She's, um... She's a fun character. <laughs> as fun for her flaws as she is for, uh... Her, uh, strengths. And you made me read She-Hulk. <laughs> uh, I quite like her. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I didn't know about the early She-Hulk though until you told me about it. <laughs> mm, well, <laughs> I figured it was regular. I, I thought Stan Lee couldn't write a, a good female because I, I saw Jean Grey early on when I was <laughs> reading the Essential X-Men, and she's um, oh Scott, oh poor Scott. <laughs> to be fair though, he was exactly the same way towards her. True, oh, I could never so tell Jean my, my true feelings. <laughs> and so was Scarlet Witch and her brother, my sister. What are you doing with my sister? And Mercy's sister are going, Don't you hurt my brother! <laughs> Every time he paired a woman and a man, it kind of ended up like that. Yeah, Stanley was good at a lot of things, but dialogue that wasn't quite so clunky and... It's not really his strong suit. Well, it depends who he's writing. You know, as you were saying that, I was just thinking that I really love the way he wrote um, Mary Jane in Spider-Man. She hmm. was such a good character back then, and, and I'm reminded of this because I'm just trying to get through another volume of Ultimate Spider-Man, which I hate, and I'm never going to read it again because it sucks <laughs> so much. No, it really sucks. The ones that I'm reading right I now believe you. is the collection that introduces uh, the um, Catwoman or whatever she's called. I can't even remember. And Electra. Oh, that's... Ugh. And mm. it's awful. It, it's just, the art is bad. The writing is bad. And I really like the stuff that Bendis used to do early on. You know, I loved Power and Glory and, and his true crime stuff, Goldfish and Jinx and all that. So good. And this is just really, really bad. Um, and Mary Jane is a bad character because she breaks up with Peter for no reason. And then she's getting back together with him. And, and she's just like the worst sort of angsty teenage girl stereotype that you could imagine and when mary jane was introduced in the original spider-man she was like this hip swinging totally self-confident party girl and she liked peter but she was not hung up on him and it was like hey if you want to date me you're getting the catch of a century and if you don't i got other things to do and it was like so refreshing to see that in a comic um and and i really miss characters like that who you know Mm. who are women who don't care about what men think about them yeah, we've kind of gone a little backwards with some of the female characters. We're actually better in the 60s, like early Green Lantern, Carol um, Carol Ferris as the Star Sapphire villain. Everybody thinks that she went crazy in the 60s, and, you know, Green Lantern has that nasty history of misogyny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, and, no, she didn't go crazy, actually, until, um, until like, maybe the third or fourth writer got a handle, handle on her. At first, she was just this... She was a fun kind of sexual tension type villainess she showed up and basically she was just there to challenge him and um, have a little uh, fun with him, the friendly rival and then after a while she it was about the 80s I think she turned completely psychotic <laughs> yeah that was a bit of a shame mm-hmm. she, she'd been so entertaining before that then what didn't, didn't O'Neill cripple her or something first and then she went crazy oh. and then yeah, O'Neill likes to cripple women, doesn't he? That was a nasty yeah. thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> but really, he did. He, he the first time Carol shows up, she's she's snotty to someone and she gets crippled, but because it's a person with a tel, um, telekinesis, and something she, like uh, that. 
Yeah, and later on, every time he touches on feminism, he falls short. <laughs> I mean, I love Green Lantern, Green Arrow, despite the mandatory PSA um, <laughs> soapbox every issue. Um, in spite of that, I loved it because I loved the way he characterized Hal and everything. But when he touched women, it was a problem. Yeah, why was he so good at that? He was really good with, like, drugs and troubled youth and all that. And it just kind of didn't carry over into other areas very well. Well, when... Black Canary shows up and she get, immediately gets put under mind control. Yeah. You know, you've got a problem. I'm sorry. Just that, that's tad. something that happens to Hal, not, <laughs> not Dinah. And she, um, she, she shows up kind of weak every time, but it's entertaining because Neil Adams is strong. He draws the best airhead face on her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then again, okay. Hal occasionally has the same sort of face, and that's always mm-hmm. brilliant. And there is one picture where it's Hal and Ollie, and they're all in civilian clothes talking. And Dinah's just looking up away. It's just this one little panel, and I think that's the absolute perfect picture of the three of them together. Because that's the way everything always is. You know, the Hal and Ollie are, Ollie are doing something uh, serious, and Dinah's looking away. Ooh, pretty bird. So it was really <laughs> bad when they had C- Carrie Limbo in the group for those few issues. She made Dinah look effectual. <laughs> Yeah, I well, hate that I character. Kicked him butt once in a while. Mm. Unfortunately, it was um, it was the Amazons, the uh, crazy lady who uh, was obsessed with uh, procreation on that one uh, one foreign planet. And figured out how to make it <laughs> just wouldn't stop, even though they were overpopulated. It, that that one didn't show up with women very well, and uh, did the Amazon one. <laughs> Insisting on procreating when there's too many people. Isn't that just like a woman? My God. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So um, we've named a couple good current female characters. Are are there more that that you really like? Or, I mean, we could probably spend at least three or four hours talking about characters we don't like because there are many, many of them populating them. But I really want to keep it focused on the positive. Um, other, it doesn't even have to be a, a current character that you like. Now we've been talking about some uh, some Silver Age women. Um, I Hot talked Matui. about Mary Jane, yeah. So who else? Let's list some more. Hot Matui. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What was that? But um, when she showed up, oh man, that was a wonderful story. She um, she's going to get married, and she's in the, she's a trainee for the Green Lanterns. Um, and the uh, the Guardians call Hell up and say, we want you to talk her out of. Um, leaving the core because she's uh, planning to get married and, and retire before, instead of become a full Green Lantern. And so he goes up and he has to talk her into choosing career over marriage. And he tricks her into um, thinking that there's a, a monster attacking. And it catches him and her fiancé. And she's like equal distance from each of them. And she goes to save Hal first. So he uses that and he goes and he convinces her, look, she, you, um, you went after me first, so obviously you're more loyal to being a Green Lantern than you are to him. And what she'd done earlier, because she's such a nerd, is she uh, created a machine to measure how much love she felt for the guy. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, well, recreate the machine and put a, um, put another, uh, needle there for, uh, figuring out how loyal you are to the Green Lantern Corps. And she does it, and she tests it, and the needle went farther on her loyalty. Wow, that's and a cool machine. I want one of those. <laughs> And eventually she ended up mar- marrying uh, John Stewart a Green Lantern, so it made sense. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, um, and for the record, um, the, the quitting after you've been married wasn't just for Katma. Hal was going to do it if he actually ended up marrying Carol. 
because they were going to go to Tamaran. <laughs> but that that fell through also. It, 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 Green Lantern was actually pretty good. Yeah, look, then it didn't quite go so well after that. <laughs> and Inglehart's thing didn't go too well. He, Inglehart is the guy who made uh, Carol Ferris crazy. Well, no, um, Action Comics Weekly made her a mur- murderer, but um, Steve Inglehart is the guy who, um, the writer who made her... Uh, her uh, her aggressive Starfire side was actually her masculine part of the personality and all that. <laughs> that that didn't. <laughs> I, I saw that and screamed. <laughs> I kind of yeah, I kind of understand the philosophy behind that, but it might have worked a lot better if he'd used different words. Yeah. Animus versus anima, something like that, versus outright saying male side versus female side might have. Same thing, but it would have sounded a little better, I think. And he made Carol into instead of you know she was she was strong, um, and a little resistant to her father in the Silver Age. He made her. Um, she was apparently emotionally wounded because their father had wanted a boy instead of a girl, <laughs> and so she was overcompensating. And that's why she acted she was, the way she was, and I, that pissed me off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. I'm I'm just like listening to us talking about comic books and everything, and I know why I like comic books so much. Why do you guys like comic books so much? You know, there's this big, um, and I want to call it a myth right now that you know women just don't like comic books and girls don't read comic books, and I think that's a lot of bullshit in a lot of ways. So I I wanted to hear from you guys. Why do you why do you love comics and why do you write about comics so passionately the way you do? You won't be well, graded on this. Oh. It's okay. <laughs> Well, I know for me, I think it's, in a sense, there's this sense of history to the, particularly, I'm primarily a DC reader, and there is such a sense of history, even with all the crises and and reboots, you do get a sense that the core, the core of these characters and the spirit have been around since the 40s, and... I don't know, there's something powerful about that. And you can, with all the different writers and the different decades putting their own stamp on these concepts, you you get a lot of fruit for analysis that just make for a lot of fun to blog about, I think. Yeah, it's the same appeal that I have with the King Arthur stuff, you know. Uh, long history, lots of, lots of different writers, you can put it together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead of whining that it's not continuity, you can actually put it together and go. (laughs) (laughs) And the characters are fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then there's the female power fantasy. (laughs) And, Uh, you know. Who who doesn't like that? (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't like to see um, a girl dress up and kick somebody's butt? Come on. (laughs) Well, Mm -hmm. I like And the Green Lantern butt shot. (laughs) That's always a good reason to read. (laughs) (laughs) What I really like about Green Lantern is the powers. They have he's gotta have the coolest powers in DC comics right now, except for the just plain physical kicking butt stuff. You know. As it comes to energy powers, that is that's really cool. <laughs> green and I mean and my favorite color is green. It's green light. <laughs> <laughs> and it's nice because you can use so many different characters at the same time. you can't have so you can't have five flashes active at the same time, I think. Or you could, but it'd be very difficult. With the Green Lanterns, though, each one puts their own stamp on what basically amounts to this 
this pretty standard set of abilities that they all can do, but they all do differently. And I don't know. Mm -hmm. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I like when they can have a team of people who are all the same powers and make them all seem different. So do you do you read anything out do you read anything outside the mainstream I guess um like any independent comics or web comics or anything um that you think is really good that you know you really find interesting in the way that you find Green Lantern really compelling Not really cuz the outside the mainstream doesn't have the same history to it and the a lot of the independent comics that are really good don't feature superheroes and they don't have the same you know um appeal that it does. Mm -hmm. There are some web comics that I enjoy, but it's not it's not for the same reason and it's not quite mm -hmm. to the same extent. I mean four panels a day that make you laugh. It's not quite the same as a comic book every month mm -hmm. that just with that long term storyline I think. Though not to say that web comics can't have long storylines. But I've never seen Bruno the Bandit. That's a long term storyline. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> it, it's interesting. Um, I'm thinking about what you were just talking about the the history, and the fact that there's this this world that's being created that has so much going on in it at the same time. Um, it's the superhero part of it is is like um, taking something that that is almost historical. And you mentioned King Arthur, and I was sort of thinking of Lord of the Rings at the same time, where it's been created so completely that everything has sort of um, been figured out already in some ways and taking these characters who have special powers and letting them play in it. Um, it reminds me, and, and I want to know what you guys think about this, that a lot of what is happening in mainstream comics these days is almost like fan fiction because there is such a history. These characters are mostly established and it's just different people coming in to take over and make those characters do what they want to do, which is pretty much what fan fiction is, right? You just take over where somebody else left off and you make some Somebody do what you want them to do. Do you think? What do you think about that? Well, the biggest difference I think is that they get paid for it. Fanfic <laughs> <laughs> writers don't, and legalities and such. But there, there is an element of that, and I think that's part of why you've got comic fans that feel so strongly about these characters is because the current people at the company now. I mean, they're a lot of them are writing characters that are older than they are, and so it's. There's an element, I think, where the fans feel as much ownership of the characters as the uh, creators. Now, if more fans could actually uh, get their get their fanfic ideas into a comic book form, that would be really cool. But <laughs> yeah, I I miss the visuals. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's um yeah, nobody really has grown up without and has the slightest interest in writing it without having grown up with these characters. You know, or at least been reading them so many years that you might as well have grown up. So and even those of us, <laughs> and even those of us who are relatively new to it, I mean, you grow up, you know who Superman is, you know who Batman is, you usually know who Robin is, you know, you know who the big guns are, and everyone else you get the hang of pretty quickly. So mm -hmm. it's it's just this per pervasive idea, I think. Mm -hmm. Something like that. But but don't you think at some point it becomes a little bit too inward looking? Um, I'm wondering if that's really what the the problem is with a lot of mainstream comics right now. You know, um, that they're just becoming too focused on um, the people who cr they're focused on the people who are creating them right now. I guess is the way I'd say it. 
Well, I guess that's true in a sense, but there really, I don't think, is any other way to do it. I mean, whenever you're writing something, drawing something, whether it's original or it's something older, you really have to write for yourself first. I, these people grew up as fans, and I would imagine that they figure if they can make themselves happy, they're going to make a large group of fans that have similar opinions happy. You can't please everybody, but you got to focus your your um, attempts somewhere. And if you can at least satisfy yourself, you've got to start. Mm -hmm. But what about if it's Eric Larson satisfying himself? Eric Larson well, can satisfy himself as long as he doesn't <laughs> complain about us uh, about us not wanting to read it. That's all. Yeah, I I have no tr I have no problem really with Image Comics in and of themselves. I, there are Image Comics that I've enjoyed reading. My problem with with his columns particularly was the way that he responded to criticism. I mean, people aren't going to agree. And if he just shut up and said, well, I can understand where you're coming from, but I do this for these reasons, and I'm probably going to continue to do this for these reasons, though I respect your opinion, I think maybe he'd have gotten a better response. Uh, there's just something about the way he posted that seemed like he was challenging anyone who had a different opinion for as advocates of censorship or something like that. And that's not necessarily the case. I think he's been criticized too much for his own art, is what it is. Is hmm. that just because um, if you look at his art, it's like that. <laughs> it's, I, I uh, think, yeah. Um, I, I've seen covers to Savage Dragon. It's, and he probably just got fed up with hearing it. <laughs> probably. So he I, lost think, his I think I remember reading him somewhere saying that how uh, Marvel made him tone down some of his art. <laughs> and I couldn't help but think, honestly, if Marvel of, of Psylocke fame makes you <laughs> tone down your, your art, you might be a little extreme. <laughs> Just a little bit. Oh. But Psylocke. <laughs> I liked her when I was a teenager, I have to admit. She had her cool points, but wow, depending on, and sometimes her character design was a bit much. <laughs> yeah, now that I look back on all the, that, and some of the, some of the heroines that I liked when I, in the 90s have grown up with the artists, you know, they've gotten, um, they're done a little better. Psylocke is still Psylocke. <laughs> so this, this is very interesting, and, and it, it really gets me thinking about how change can be affected. Um, because I think a lot of people are, would like there to be some change in um, some of the mainstream superhero comics. And this is what, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about. And a lot of the things that I complain about, you know, seeing all these covers with women that have their giant inflatable tits, right? It's like, <laughs> that is such, it, it's such a, um, a tradition. It really is a tradition now. And it's so accepted that this is the way you have to draw them. If the people who are drawing and creating those comics really are doing it to please themselves first, but it's offending a lot of people or preventing them from getting a much larger audience share merely because of the way the characters are drawn, like what what do we do about that situation? How can that situation um, be changed in some way to make it better, to, to make it more all-encompassing? I, I don't know the answer. I just want to know what you think. <laughs> I know personally I've always thought, well, this would probably be economically unfeasible, but I always thought 
series like She-Hulk, for example, would really benefit from having some sort of variant cover. I mean, for all the She-Hulk and cheesecake poses that you tend to have, if you had a comparative cover that had, well, either She-Hulk beating someone up or Jennifer in human form with the glasses ready to go into court without the cheesecake, it would work. Like a James Jean art cover or something? Oh, that that could be good, too. Something like that. Because that's the series. It's like, if I really wanted to introduce a superhero comics to two of any of my friends who want to read Strong Women, that'd be one of the first I'd go to. It's an iconic mm-hmm. character, easily recognized. A relatively strong female portrayal. But the covers, it's really hard to tell them, okay, you should buy this series. Um, ignore the cover. It's, <laughs> it's not like that on the inside. I don't mind if they keep those covers to the series that are, well, like that on the inside, but it just seems like the ones that aren't would benefit from a, at least a more neutral variant cover, though I suppose that would cause co- trouble for comic book shops. Yeah. Could make them more money as people try and buy the uh, 10% variant cover. On. Oh, I'm thinking <laughs> like the 90s again. What was it? I, we sent some fan mail to Bo Smith. When we, I wrote my um, Winona Earp review at the same time she wrote a, something on uh, the Women in Warriors. And I'd complained about the art. And he sends me back a letter about the art, and he points out one of his artists was a woman, and she still insisted on drawing her in that image style. And I'm thinking, well, of course she did, because that was the bread and butter in the 90s. Yeah, of course. You know? hmm. And you know, looking at some of those artists, some of those artists, um, I was complaining about one of the ones from the Green Lantern. It was uh, Travis Terrest. And I'd never seen his other stuff except for the stuff he'd drawn in uh, one of the Green Lantern specials. And it had been horrible. And I complained about it. And my comic book shop guy takes out a comic book he's got and he shows me it and he's like, this is what he looks like now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Some of these guys have real talent, but they were just pandering. And I think some of them can't draw any other way, though. So they realize if they try, they might lose their... You use the word pandering. Yes, <laughs> um, and I, I, I think we would agree that this is this is a problem, but but once again, I'm I'm trying to imagine how there could be less of that, and maybe it merely is an economic thing that if enough people stopped buying them, um, they would feel the pressure that they needed to change. But the weird thing is that you know, for every dork like Eric Larson or other people who have talked about, well, we have to draw women like this and we have to put these covers on because that's what sells and that's what people want. I've talked to lots and lots of guys who buy comics and every single one of them has said to me, oh, I'd be so happy if they got rid of those those women with the big fake tits. I'd rather see well-drawn, intelligent, strong female characters. Like, could those guys that I've talked to, you know, the, the dozens of them really be in the minority? I kind of don't think so. I wouldn't know, but the f- the funny thing is, it's like, even if, it, it's kind of a no-win situation. If if the series sells well, well, then, of course, it's because of the cover. But if the series sells badly, it's probably some co- problem with the concept or the character. So you get all these comics that get canceled, and that's that's always the trouble. You could stop buying, you could stop buying a comic just because you don't like the cover, but then... You know, what if enough of that, they decide, well, I guess it's because of this reason mm-hmm. instead, and you shoot yourself in the foot. And I don't know. It's kind of a no-win situation in some respects. Yeah. I guess the best thing would just be to keep writing letters and to keep 
annoying. Talking about it. <laughs> Complaining. <laughs> bitching. Ranting. <laughs> because I'd hate to lose She-Hulk just because Greg Horn is running, writing, drawing the covers. Honestly. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a great... My rant about that one storyline aside, it is a great series. She's a great character. Yeah. They need to have her in her own series and not be killed off during some crossover. Yeah. And the and the art just... inside is is very cute most of the time. It's nothing like what's on the cover. Mm-hmm. I stayed away from it for a long time because of the cover, but someone kept, enough people recommended it. I picked it up and I went at the cover mm-hmm. because it was some cheesecake thing where her arms are like sticks, and I'm like, this is she. <laughs> I I know she's because she wants to look like a beautiful woman. She's not gonna look like the Hulk. And be grotesquely out of shape, out of shape with just bulk. But she's gonna be muscular. <laughs> I I kind of liked the old Stanley version, the way that they depicted the character. She still had a bit of the idealized kind of Barbie dollish, thin arms, huge chest sort of figure. But I thought she looked stronger in some of the portrayals than than she did later on. Well, all the '60s art looks better. I think. And I'm going to get trashed for being one of those nostalgia fans. But honestly, I, I started comics in the 90s, and the better artists were in the 60s. Gil Kane, all of his people, the women stand, stood normally. <laughs> the men were reasonably proportioned. So were the women. They all looked like people. <laughs> I don't know what happened in the 90s. It just kind of, everybody took this p- caricature of people. And I, I think there's there's that word pandering again that should enter the conversation <laughs> right here. Yeah. But you know everybody points out that Eric Larson was pointing out the Phantom Lady covers from the 40s. Well, if you look at the 40s art, the majority of it was not like that. The majority and even those... of it was, you know, realistic <laughs> or crude. And even those, but... yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> All right, I was just thinking. Even those covers, though, they're a bit. They're a bit much, but if you compare them to, say, the way Phantom Lady's drawn in certain, certain preview images now, there's quite a bit of a difference there, too. Doesn't look like... Yeah, it doesn't look like helium was involved in the breast implant so much then. No, styrofoam. Styrofoam. They're styrofoam breasts. It's Grant uh, Morrison. I wouldn't be surprised to find out she's a plastic person. Personally, I was hoping for the Sandra Knight died and came back as a ghost we saw in Kingdom Come. So I was very disappointed to see a flesh and blood phantom lady. Damn it. <laughs> um, speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of Kingdom Come, um, I have to say, I think Alex Ross is one of the few really good artists who draws strong women very effectively. I absolutely love the way he drew Wonder Woman in Kingdom Come. I thought she looked oh. really kick-ass and powerful. I loved her costume. And um, the fact that she went a little psychotic was actually okay with me. <laughs> Power Girl. It's Power Girl in Kingdom Come. Wow. Power Woman. <laughs> Power Woman. Oh, man, that was the first time I'd ever seen that character. She looked so cool. Didn't she just look like she could knock anybody's block off? I loved it. And she, and she had that pretty hair, and her costume looked pretty. I, I, I was a teenager looking at this going, Ooh, I'm going to be here when I grow up. And the fact that she, she lost her temper and had to be um, held back by... Superman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. That was excellent. Uh, so I like that. I'd like to see more of that. Um, I, I was thinking about Alex Ross because, of course, of the, the whole Batwoman thing, and I was comparing um, 
two images of Batwoman, the one that he had done, and then there was another one, on, and I think it was on a Newsarama um, news thing, that was done by someone else. And I actually don't think his version is too bad, with the exception of the stupid high-heeled boots, which he admits, you know, he was sort of coerced into putting in there. I think that might be characterization. Because it's Kathy King. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's well, fine. Yeah. I'm hoping that the boots actually mean that she's going to be something of a light-hearted character, and Gotham needs a few more of those. I'm not saying everyone should be, but we need a break from the darkness every once mm-hmm. in a while. And if she is silly enough and vain enough to go out in in high-heeled <laughs> boots, that that could be actually a promising sign, yeah. <laughs> even if they acknowledge that it's dumb. The impression I'm getting of her is actually very cool because I think they can. I think they can make a woman who's kind of vain and obsessed with her looks and still make her a very strong personality because, you know, Hal, Hal Jordan stopped and looked in a mirror once in a fight. I <laughs> uh, one day I'm, I've been planning to post that image on the blog, but he actually stops in the fight and looks... Okay. <laughs> you, you've got, you can have your, uh, your vain males. You can have a vain female as long as she's still kicking Sure. And, and I thought that Ross's, you know, depiction of her in her costume, she looks normal, like normally proportioned. She looks kind of strong. You know, she doesn't look huge and buff, but she looks very solid, like a real person. The thing that really got me, and I'm going to have to find this image and, and put the two side by side, was the other depiction of her done by another artist, and I, I don't know who it was. Oh, this is, I think it's the same artist who screwed up Power Girl. So, last bit, so she's so. like, like <laughs> swinging or something, and she's in an action pose. Oh, and yeah. She looks so horrible. It's like they took everything good out of the Alex Ross design and made her have those skinny Barbie arms, the big inflatable mm-hmm. tits. The way she's posed is a crotch shot. I mean, the the view is like basically right between her legs as she's like swinging them there. And there's the, you know, the exaggerated roundness of her ass. And she looks like she's naked with just body paint on. And it's so awful. Like, why? Why did they have to do this? It just pisses I, me off. I think it's the same artist who did the last 52 because I had the same problems with Power Girl. Normally, I'm fine with the way Power Girl is. She's a little bit top heavy, but normally she's got the hips to support it. This guy did very slim hips, very large breasts, <laughs> and a very large hole in her chest. And I'm big on the Power Girl costume because it looks like it could actually give her support the way it's set up. It looks like a sports bra top. And I'm like, whoever this artist is, he should not draw a Power Girl. <laughs> <laughs> so I bet you it's the same person who, who did that one. Because I was looking at that and I was especially impressed with the way he posed her. She's doing a little Dracula thing with her cape. Oh, yeah. Um, and and she also fun. has, you know, the, the incredibly bendy human spine. Like, basically, no human being could ever be in that pose because your body just doesn't bend like that. Mm-hmm. You know, with the eight-inch waist. Ugh. It just makes me mad. But that woman, the, the way Alex Ross drew her, she, there's something about the tilt of her head and the way her lips are shaped. There's an attitude in it. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, I know I'm beautiful. I can still kick your ass. <laughs> and if, the, if that attitude carries through, I think she could be very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all going to have to hold our breaths and wait to see what happens. Oh, I just got mad. I saw the mainstream feminist sites got a hold of uh, the Batwoman thing because it's going through the Associated Press. <laughs> and one of, them, one of the more caustic ones called I Blame the Patriarchy, yeah, the first comment was... Yeah, the only time Batbitch would kick a, kiss a girl is if she ha- made sure the male gaze was headed for her. And I'm just like, the term Batbitch on a feminist site. Real nice. 
Oh, it pissed me off. Like, it's not hard enough already <laughs> to, to yeah, that, complain. Yeah, it, it's one thing, and radical feminist sites are made basically to dissect everything in the culture. So, you know, there's there shouldn't be anything um, left alone. I can see them taking apart the idea that a lesbian's going to be pandering to uh, the fanboys. And, um, you know, long hair and impractically long hair and high heels. That That's pretty sexualized right there, and there's a big problem with high heels. But a gendered insult like bitch, <laughs> I'm like, first off, gee, thanks. You just, you're, you're a total hypocrite for saying it. I'm <laughs> sorry. Ugh. It's hard to explain why it pissed me off. It's just a... You know, basically, that's that's a that's an insult specifically for a female. Mm -hmm. And you know, bitch is an insult because a woman is strong and aggressive, and that's unattractive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think it it's really really hard um, to voice your opinion about these sorts of things, especially when you're talking about comics, because um, number one, you have fanboys who react really rapidly to things that you say and I've definitely been on the receiving end of that and I know you guys probably have too um, and then um, you have sometimes women who will defend the status quo merely because that's just a learned behavior for them right because you know you're not mm -hmm. supposed to complain and all that so you have to kind of deal with that but then you also have um, as you were saying you know sometimes women who are, are very much of the um, radical feminist stance who will go too far, I think, in denigrating the things that are out there um, and don't see why they're worth defending passionately. You know, if someone is going to say bat bitch, I think that they probably have a pretty low opinion of comics in general. You know, and a pretty low opinion of women for someone on a feminist well, side. Well, exactly. Oh, yeah. and, <laughs> and it's like you have all these things working against you, and it becomes very hard to make coherent arguments, which is why I end up ranting about things sometimes. And even though my rants might be incoherent, it's like this anger that I just have to get out because it's, it seems like it's impossible to get a word in edgewise amidst all the noise about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and then my biggest issue are, the, uh, are those that argue. It's like, well... Superhero comics are for men anyway. Women, women should just you know not bother. Stick with Sandman, things like that. And the thing is, these are sometimes or manga. These are women that say this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's how is how is it a victory to leave the genre for for the guys? Mm -hmm. How how does that do anything? And then we have the guys who defend that by going, well, see, a woman just said it. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah I know. It, it becomes really hard. And you always have those, you know, the, the super alpha monkey fanboys who will pick quotes out of context and say things like, you know, well, you know, Andrea Dworkin said that all sex is rape. So therefore, and then make some totally specious argument based on an untrue that. statement. It's, it's just <laughs> really impossible well, to get around that stuff. And sadly, the only way to argue is to go into the tag and explain, well, she didn't actually say yeah. that. What she actually and, said And then that. you're all diverted anyway. Exactly. It's... Well, that's the whole point of their tactic, right, is to just get you off right. the track because they don't actually have anything to say back to you. It's just another, you know, like power and then, play. And then when you call them on it, it's a personal attack. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because um, I, got, I just got into an argument on the RPG Nets about X-Men, and I... I called the guy who was making, who he was taking, basically taking my argument and painting it because it was feminist argument as I am a man hater. And so I said, You are trying to paint me as an extremist and man hater. I said I was personally attacked. 
Well, so actually, I made a couple. So I naturally made a couple of nasty things in return of that. <laughs> the mod yelled at me, so I left. <laughs> but didn't yell at him. Yell at me. But um. Well, you know, man haters not really an in, an insult. Not when it's obviously the truth or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh no 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 no! Only women can make personal attacks. Men can't. <laughs> well, you know, to be man, to be more accurate, yeah. to be more accurate though, you know, you're not a man hater. You're just a him hater. <laughs> it, it's only accidental that he happens to be a man. It's not a reflection of his whole species. Um, I wouldn't be a feminist if I didn't have think there was something salvageable in men. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think I, like I, I think it's men. it's very very hard to be um, to be a woman and argue in these types of open forums because. Um, the deck is stacked against you from the beginning. It, it's just as you said. I mean, it's absolutely true that, you know, men are allowed to fling around personal insults all they want. But as soon as women start doing it, then you get called on it as, you know, well, now you're insulting me and you're a bitch and you're a man hater. And, and suddenly yeah, any that, argument is invalid. That la- rant last week, or week before last, when they linked you on the uh, image. Oh, my God. <laughs> They, they called you a bitch, and then they complained that you were saying fuck. I know. <laughs> it's like, hmm. But that's because I'm a lady, and I guess I'm a lady. I'm not allowed to swear like that, because obviously swearing is a sign of laziness, as somebody pointed out. Or maybe, just maybe, they don't consider bitch an insult. <laughs> oh, no, it's not a swear word. Any insults towards women aren't swear words. Not really. Insults towards men are swear words, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, I, I feel like I want to keep doing what I'm doing with the podcast, because... There are a lot of women who read comics who are really just tired of hearing guys talk to each other about comics. And I feel like there is a lot of good in comics. <clears throat> and, and the reasons I love it are, are for some of the reasons that you guys had already articulated. You know, that it, it's fantasy and it's fun and the art is beautiful and it takes you out of your world into this fantasy world and you get to explore it. And why should that be denied to women? You know, why shouldn't we have the opportunity to enjoy this very special form of art? You know, why should there be all these barriers that keep us from jumping right in and, and loving it and creating it and writing it? I think that's so unfair. Can I take you back a little bit to one of the reactions to your podcast, Matt? Because <laughs> you, something you said just made me think of it. Someone said that you were a woman who, uh, that who presumed to speak for all women, and his defense was, well, my friend, who's a woman, who does not presume to speak for all women, actually liked this. And I'm like, and agreed with him. I'm just thinking, damn, there's some but that's one thing I do like about you know you mentioned the deck stack against us and there are women disagreeing I do like having a lot of different feminine opinions out there and a mm. lot of women reading different kinds of comics mm-hmm. not just superhero comics but women do read superhero comics because I really think one of the problems is they all think all women are alike mm-hmm. We're one demographic. It's like, what do women want to read? What would you recommend for women to read? And, I mean, I've had women ask this, too. And it's like, but we're 52%. Yeah, we're 52% of the population. We're, if if the 48%, I hope my math is right or else I'll look quite dumb. If the 48% that are men can't agree on something, why would the 52% that are women all agree on something? exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, I, 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 that's so true. And, uh, you know, when I, that's what got me so pissed off in the first place was just hearing all these discussions between guys about what they think women want as if the matter is settled because they somehow know when the truth is, you know, don't just ask your one friend, 
go out and ask a hundred or a thousand or ten thousand women what they like, and then maybe you'll start to have an idea about what's appealing or or what is appropriate. And nobody does that, as far as I know. You know, I, I don't see any kind of uh, effort by comic book companies or artists to to try to just see what's working and what's not working. And you think that they would do that rather than just throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks, which is their attitude right now, I think. You want to know why I'm such a, I'm a huge King Arthur buff and why I picked my name? Hmm. It's, it's topical here. Um, there was a story I read in school. I think it was in fourth grade. It was in my reader and it was called the ugly wife. And what happened was King Arthur was out and he got captured by some guy who um, would have killed him but said, I'll spare you. Come back in one year with the answer to this riddle. He said, okay, what's the riddle? What do women want? Uh. <laughs> and he says, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> and goes back and he asked his nephew if he could help him because his nephew's pretty good with women. He's a kind of a philanderer. Um, his nephew, and I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong, name's Gawain, says, well, I'll help you. We'll just go out and we'll ask all the women. <laughs> And all the men we see, they went, they go and they ask everybody and they get all sorts of different answers. Like, um, women want to, want a good kitchen. Women want strawberries, <laughs> just strawberries. <laughs> women want, um, good, strong children. Women want a good man. Women want a guy that they can boss around. Women want this. Women want that. Anyway, they find, uh, an old lady in the wo- woods on their way, on the last day, on their way back to, uh, see the guy, Gromer Somerjur, I think it is, who'd captured King Arthur. And... They ask her, because Wayne says, you know, what the hell, she might not. She turns around, and she's the ugliest woman he's ever seen. She's hideous. Hideous. <laughs> he says, yes, I know the answer to your question, before he even asks. And he says, well, what is it? Because he's sure he's got, a, he's got a witch there who knows the answer. And because she knew um, before he asked, she says, I'll tell you if you promise to come back on your way back, pick me up, take me to the castle, and make me your wife. He goes, oh, shit. <laughs> she's really ugly. I mean, she's got tucks. And um, probably knowing the Celtics, she had uh, reindeer horns or something. <laughs> and um, really bad pockmarked skin. She was overweight. And she was thin and um, humpbacked and horrible. And gray-haired and everything. And he said, mm-hmm. okay, no problem. If you don't save my, hus- my uncle, you got it. I'll be your husband. Uh, anyway, he says, she says that, um, she'll go with King Arthur and tell him the, tell him the answer, and he's not hearing. So Gwen hangs back, she goes with King Arthur, and they get the answer. And it's right. So King Arthur takes her and Gawain back, and they prepare for the wedding. And Guinevere wants to marry them in secret, but she says, No! I want a big public wedding! The biggest you've ever had! Bigger than yours! <laughs> they have a huge one. Everybody in the kingdom is there. It's in front of everybody, and she is the most obnoxious person ever. She eats everything. <laughs> she uh, burps. She calls the king wart and forgets everybody else's name. She slaps all the young knights on the butt. <laughs> and they're all freaked out, but Gawain goes through with it, and they go to the bedroom. And mm-hmm. she says to him when they sit in the bed, and there's different versions of this one, but this is the one I like best. She says to him, well, are you going to do your husbandly duty? <laughs> and he says, yes, again and again. And he turns over, and he goes to hug her, and there's this absolutely beautiful woman standing there. And she says, okay, now I've got a deal for you. <laughs> I'm under a curse, and the only way it can be broken is if I have a nice, sweet husband who will make this decision. 
I can either be beautiful by day or night. Your, your choice. And he sits down and thinks that. And it's too damn hard because he's thinking, I can have a pretty wife to show off during the day or I can have a pretty wife at night when we sleep together. <laughs> so he looks at her and says, your choice. Besides, this one affects you more than me. She says, okay, I'll do both. Day and night. He goes, what? He said, well, you just solved the riddle. And, um... And broke the curse, because the answer to the riddle that Gromosoma Jura asked, what do women want, was to have their own way. <laughs> <laughs> and I absolutely love that story, and the name of the girl in the story was Ragnall. And I absolutely love that story. It made me the... Gawain was my favorite knight from then on. The simple reason that it showed that every single woman thought differently. They weren't all the same, mm-hmm. and you were best to ask them what they want. <laughs> That is very true, and and I think the the sad fact is that um, women just don't get their own way <laughs> mm-hmm. most of the time in most things. I think you know. And this this is a this is a, a story from shoot. It's going to be prior to Mallory, so it's going to be sometime around a mm-hmm. thousand a thousand AD that that story was written, maybe. Yeah, a long that's time an ago. Old story. Yeah. And no, they still don't know it. Yeah. Really. <laughs> Have to keep repeating it. Well, that that's a great story. Thanks for um, sharing that because I think that is that is great. And uh, the point is so incredibly relevant. <laughs> it hasn't changed at all. Yeah, and it's going to sound so horrible if you put it on the podcast. <laughs> no, Don't no, it it's great. It's great. Um, so let's see. We've been talking for about an hour. I'm just trying to think if there's any topics that we haven't covered so far that you guys wanted to to dig into, or anything that you wanted to mention that we haven't already covered. Hmm. I know we got to do some Green Lantern love, so that was good. That made you guys happy. <laughs> we love the Green Lantern love. <laughs> oh, there's the stuff we were... I just put up a uh, Wind Fan Girls attack post. Hmm. Cool. It's got all the uh, stuff on G.I. Joe I just found out. I've not been following G.I. Joe. I watched it when I was a kid, though. I remember I loved Scarlet. <laughs> and I remember a character named Lady J, and they killed her off last year. <laughs> Aw. And they're still mad about it because they're bringing <laughs> back another a male character to life through some mystic ninja thing, and she's not coming back, uh. even though the fans are yelling for her to come back. And apparently some people think that Scarlet, who was my favorite character, is having a uh, um, one of those the woman is a plot point storylines going on, which makes me mad because she was my favorite character. So there's X-Men 3 stuff at... Eric Larson stuff, Batwoman stuff, lots of that stuff, and um, girlwonder.org is up. Yeah, I saw that. That's very exciting, and uh, <laughs> I'm definitely going to be um, talking about that as they have a little more content up there, because that seems like um, a great endeavor. And you know. I like that the first thing they had up was a Wonder Woman article. Yeah. Because I'm a huge, I'm not a spoiler fan at all, but I'm a huge Wonder Woman fan. <laughs> Um, so let's see. Well, I think that about wraps it up from my end. Um, this has been so awesome to talk with you guys about these things, and I'm glad we were able to cover as many different topics as we did. And we can certainly do it again. Um, for the people who have been listening to my podcast, I'm hoping that this is the first in a series of interviews with women who blog about comics, because there are a lot of them out there. And as we have been saying all along on this show, everybody's got a different opinion. So this is just going to be one more forum for all of those different opinions to get expressed. Except Ragnall and I. We're clones. Ah, okay. Well, I'm glad you cleared that up for me. We just happen to have um, 
similar opinions. <laughs> we, we disagree on a sometimes. few stuff, though. <laughs> little stuff, and eventually we settle it, and then we have to go back to disagreeing on whether or not Hal should be slashed with Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> not whether they should, whether they were. But there's a difference. <laughs> And, and, and if no one has does that, if no one has slashed them yet, are you guys going to do that? Are you going to take it on? Fair. Uh, I'm not a slash writer. <laughs> oh, anybody can no. be a slash writer. It's so easy. <laughs> I stick with planets. <laughs> I write planet slash. It's, it's my pride and joy. What about Gambit Nightwing slash? <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Well, I, I love that. Oh, thank you. I was hoping someone read it. Oh, <laughs> I figured I was going to piss someone off. Oh, it was wonderful. You know, I just discovered somebody hooked me up with um, the X-Men slash archive, which I hadn't known oh. existed. And there, because I was looking for Cyclops Wolverine slash because of the, the Brokeback Mutant video that I, I found on um, YouTube. There were a lot after the first movie, That's so I really, really shouldn't have meant to know that. That was great. But uh, there's one story that has like the best opening of any slash story that I've ever read. I'm going to read it on my next show because it's so very funny. But it's it's really really good. It's like the perfect sort of slash story. They just get right to it. There's no preamble. <laughs> like oh, that's what I love. Oh, that's so funny. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much again for being on the show. This has really been fun, and um, everybody should be reading when fangirls attack every single day. It is not to be missed. And our personal blogs. And the personal blogs, of course. <laughs> so there will be yes, yes, yes. there will be links on on my site to all of those relevant things, so people can find them very easily. Yeah, good. Then they'll be, they'll be able to hear more of Kalinara's opinions because she's so quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am not qu- Well, no. You were quiet. I'm not. <laughs> hey, I, I kept interrupting you. <laughs> it, it worked yeah, out. But I kept talking anyway. <laughs> oh, it was great. It worked out really well. So thanks, you guys. No problem. It was fun. Yeah, no, it was fun. Definitely fun. great interview and covered so many topics as always i just love talking with other people about comics and fandom and blogging and all that stuff so i want to say one more thing about batwoman that wasn't bothering me so much when we did this interview but it is now because i've been reading all the different articles about it for the love of whoever would people please stop calling her the five foot ten buxom lipstick lesbian it's not even the buxom lipstick lesbian part that gets me it's they have to mention that she's 510 in every single goddamn article about her like she's freakishly tall i'm 510 and i am not freakishly tall i'm taller than some women and i'm shorter than other women but people don't introduce me all the time by going the 510 buxom lipstick podcaster Stop calling attention to her height. It's no big deal. She's five foot ten. Big fucking deal. Okay, I just had to get that out of my system. Anyway, I'm going to wrap this up by thanking my usual sponsors, um, the Lincoln Heights Literary Society at LeeHayLiso.com. 
uh, also the beautiful music by my, my dear diva friend, Ginger Mayerson. And don't forget, if you're in Berkeley, to visit Comic Relief, the only comic bookstore that matters at... 2026 Shattuck Avenue in Berkeley, California. Um, one of these days, they'll get their real website up and running. But in the meantime, go to the store and tell them I sent you, and they'll be just so very happy to see you. Next show, I think I'm going to do um, a bunch of reviews because I have to talk about new things. And then we'll be back with more interviews, um, a great two-parter with Leah Hernandez, who has um, some incredible stories to spin. So that's all for this time. I'll see you soon.